John, lead pastor, Noel Peepcrass. Welcome to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plan started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. We'd love to have you join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in our historic building at 218 Pine Street. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or visit our Instagram page. Thanks for listening. Um, it's really good to be here. I, I really, Katie and I are so excited about what God's doing here in Exeter and specifically with Exeter Valley Church. It's a good thing. And you guys are getting in at the ground floor. It's fun. You're going to have stories about this time in the church, you know, years from now. And it, it's fun and you should cherish it. And so I'm glad to get to share with you guys today. I did get to visit in the summer, met some of you. The rest of you were on vacation, apparently. Uh, that's fine. Um, but I'm really glad you didn't tell me your worship leader was so good, because I would have been nervous. That was a great time of worship. I really, that ministered to me. I'm, that's fun. It's good. Um, yes, we love the peat grasses, and they've been dear to us for many years, and so I'm, I'm excited you guys are uh, walking together. So um, I want to start, as we look at this text today, with a question. What is the most valuable thing that you have? Don't, don't, don't holler it out. This is my time to talk. You listen. Just think. I'm kidding. Um, just think about what are the, what's the most valuable thing. I'm sure there's a few things coming to mind. Or maybe the thing you wish you had more of. Is it money? Is it family? Is it a four-week trip to Scotland? That's kind of specific to me, um, but is it your talents, your possessions? What is the most valuable thing you had or wish you had? Is it your health? What is your heart longing for? And I know we're in church, but it's okay to think about this. God can handle our desires. It's okay. What are the, what's the thing that is important to you? And I, I would assert that the most universally valuable thing, the thing that probably ends up on most of our lists of valuable things, is time. Time is a limited resource, and it's probably the only thing that you and I have in common with Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or fill in the blank of a person that you think is just so much different than you. We all have 24 hours in the day. My bank account looks a little bit different than Elon Musk's, but... Today, I have exactly the same amount of time as he does. And Jesus, in our story today, is addressing our orientation, our devotion to time. And that's what gets him into trouble with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, if you don't know, were like the religious all-stars of the day. And so um, Jesus is getting into a bit of a trouble with them. And I just want to say, as we look into this topic of Sabbath, because this is the, the thing that they're discussing relating to time. Um, this will not be an exhaustive sermon on Sabbath. There are so many great resources out there that I can recommend to you afterward if you want to find some books or sermons on it. This will not cover everything. Um, so just a little, you know, what do you call that? Um, disclaimer up front. So you're not going to learn everything possible about Sabbath today. But here's what I concluded today. As I look at this text, Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. And the Sabbath is meant to be a gift of mercy to us, not a moment for us to make great sacrifices to God. Jesus desires mercy, 
not sacrifice. So we're going to be building on what you guys probably covered last week, uh, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And it's a pretty famous Bible verse. Even if you weren't here last week, you've probably heard it before, where Jesus says, hey, if you're tired, come to me, learn from me. Take my way upon you, because my way is easy and light. We're building upon this because um, this is the, the very next thing that, that Jesus talks about after that moment. And in our story, we're going to be coming across this word that, we, that might be unfamiliar to some of us, or the rest of us pretend we know what Sabbath means. We're like, oh yeah, Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. Um, Sabbath, um, in our Bibles, it comes from a he, the Hebrew word Shabbat. So now you can all be impressive today at lunch. Whoever you're having lunch with, just like, oh yes, the Shabbat. You know, I know a little bit of Hebrew. Um, that's as much Hebrew as I know. But um, Shabbat is what our Bible translates to Sabbath. It's referring to a special day of the week that has its origins in the very first pages of the Bible. When we find God creating this good world over the span of seven days. And the creation story is ordered around these six active days where he's making wonderful things like antelopes and cantaloupes and oh no I've rhymed twice I gotta find there's nothing probably else that rhymes that was jackalopes so he makes all these beautiful things the mountains the 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 giant sequoias and he he's forming this world and then it comes to this climax as he creates man and woman Adam and Eve and pronounces over creation this is very good and as you read those first chapters of the Bible, you're like, this is exciting. It's a powerful God that's making wonderful things. And then he does the most odd thing. He takes a day off. He's God. He just literally spoke light into being. So you might, it, might, it might strike you as odd, like, why does that guy need a day off? I mean, he seems to have plenty of resources and power. And he rests. And he enjoys this beautiful creation on the seventh day, and he blesses it and sets it apart as holy. So let's read in Genesis chapter 2. It's, if you have a Bible, it's, right, it's like right in the beginning, like two chapters into this story. Chapter 2, verse 1. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That word holy means set apart, special, different from the other days. He made that day holy. Because on that day, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So as the Bible story continues, God then forms this special people from the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this family grows, and there's a famine. They have to flee to this country called Egypt. It's a great refuge for them. But then over the course of hundreds of years, they become slaves to this wicked king called Pharaoh. And they cry out to God to rescue them, and he rescues them, sends them a guy named Moses to lead them out. And they're led out of captivity into this desert to wander around for a long time, and he leads them to this mountain to give them a, uh, what he calls his law. He's trying to form them into a people, and so they need some boundaries. They need to know how to act with one another. He gives them this law, and at the heart of this law is what's called the Ten Commandments. It's like the, the, the heartbeat of the law that God gives um, to this group of people called the Israelites. 
And so in the second book of the Bible, known as Exodus, we read as God gives these Ten Commandments. Now, these are probably familiar to many of us. Even if you've hardly been to church or never been to church, you've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. They are famous for such things as do not murder. Um, so kind of important things. Well, the fourth commandment happens to be the longest commandment in all of the Ten Commandments. Obviously, do not murder doesn't have to be very long. I mean, you don't really need to expand on that. It's kind of cut and dry. It's like, don't kill people. But the fourth commandment, if you read with me, it'll be on the screen. It's in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. God commands. Again, this is not, these aren't suggestions. These aren't ideas. They're commands. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Right? That's a point back to Genesis. God made that day holy, special. To keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on it you shall, do no, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So that word Sabbath comes from this. It's a Hebrew word that literally means to cease. Shabbat means to stop, to stop working. It's like a big giant stop sign. Once a week, Shabbat. Work is done. So Shabbat was and still is a vitally important practice to a faithful Jewish person who's trying to honor God, that wants to honor God. Shabbat is like super important. Obviously, it's in the Ten Commandments. And so it's a very important practice. And it takes place on, from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That's the Shabbat window. Now, we still have like echoes of this ancient practice. I mean, this happened thousands of years ago when God gave this pe these people this command. And it still affects our super modern world with our fancy gizmos and gadgets. The Shabbat command still affects us. Have you ever noticed on your calendar, even on your fancy iPhone or whatever brand of phone you have? Sorry, I'm not, I'm not paid by I Apple <laughs> to, to mention iPhones. But um, have you noticed on your calendar... Your fancy modern calendar is oriented around a Shabbat. Have you, that's always struck me as weird that the weekend is split on our calendars. For me, the week starts on Monday. We were trained to think about that like since we were five years old. When's the first day of the week? Monday. But our calendars start on Sunday. That's because of Shabbat. The end of the week is Saturday, the day of rest. And it still looks like that. I think you can overwrite it and tell it to start on Monday if you want. But the defaults to a Shabbat, which I think is quite interesting. There's still like places in our country that you can't do certain things on Sunday because Sunday uh, has become the, the Sabbath day, you know, for, for much pe many people in America. And there's still things that you can and can't. I remember we were on a road trip way back when going across the country when we didn't have any children. Uh, it was just the two of us in a tiny little car doing whatever we wanted and listening to whatever we wanted. And, oh, let's stop by this. This looks fun. We only have to buy two meals instead of seven. Uh, and I remember we were in Arkansas on a Sunday, and I went into a mini-mart to buy, I don't know, corn nuts or something. Now, I don't like corn nuts. 
So I can't remember what I was buying. <laughs> Skittles or sunflower seeds, I bet. And they had the, 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 free, the, the, the refrigerator section, the beer section, chained up. I was like, oh, what happened in there? I was like, kind of like, was there a crime committed? And I asked the guy at the counter, like, hey, why is the beer case chained up? He's like, it's Sunday. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and can't sell alcohol on Sunday in Arkansas. I was like, oh, interesting. All right. They're, they're treating that day as special. You can't do some things. Apparently, I don't see that in the Ten Commandments. You can't buy beer on, on Sunday. But anyway, <laughs> for Arkansas, that was what, So we still are affected by this ancient practice. Sabbath um, in, in Jesus' day, like I said, began on Friday night, carries through Saturday, and it was important to him. And so as we're, you guys are going through the book of, of Matthew, there's been momentum building. Like Jesus is like showing his authority over like the natural world, calming storms, over the spiritual world, casting out demons. Like Matthew is real clearly trying to tell us Jesus is the king. Like he's the king. He, this guy is... Is not like other people. And you can feel the momentum building, like this wave is about to crest. And we're not even halfway through the book of Matthew. And then he keeps referring to himself, Jesus keeps referring to himself as the son of man, which to, at first glance seems like quite a quite pedestrian term to call yourself. Because it literally means son of a human, which we could all say that, right? Like all of us came from a human. And so it's kind of like a sneaky way, but Jesus knows that in the Bible, especially in places like the book of Daniel, that term is used for this long hoped for, like messianic, even divine figure that would come and establish God's rule on the earth. That's how the term is used. So he could say son of man, and people are like, yeah, big deal. But for those who had ears, they would hear like, oh, the son of man is here. And that's how Jesus refers to himself. And so here, this, the Son of Man is on a Sabbath day, on a Saturday, and they're going to church. They're walking to the Sabbath together. And they're going through some grain fields. Apparently his disciples were needing a little snack. Did anybody walk to church today? Yeah? Not many of us do, but the disciples were doing that. And it must have been a long walk. They're getting a little snacky. And they find some grain, and they start to rub it in their hands and start to munch on the grain. And then up pops the Pharisees, who are apparently walking with them or like hiding out in the grain fields, like waiting, like, all right, we think this might be the day that they snack on the grain fields during the Sabbath. And so these Pharisees appear out of nowhere, and they're like, ha ha, we've caught you doing what is not lawful. And that's like a big, heavy term, lawful. Because again, the Sabbath has its origins in the law. They think they've caught Jesus, the Son of Man, being a lawbreaker. And then Jesus' reply to them, he uses two Bible stories that these Pharisees would have known frontward and backward. He says, hey, you read the story where David is traveling with his companions. They eat the bread of the presence. That wasn't lawful. And you guys like David, right? And like, nah, you got us on that one. And then he's like, or perhaps you know that the priests, they do work on the Sabbath. Did you know that? That's their job, and that's kind of their big day to work. And they're not counted as guilty. Are you, Jesus is like implying, are you saying the priests are better than the rest of us? You know, and so he throws these two Bible stories at them. But then the real mic drop moment comes where Jesus tells them something greater than the temple is here. Whew, that would have blown their minds. The temple was their special place to worship God. And you can almost hear their robes starting to tear as they're about to scream, blasphemy, kill him. But then he sneaks in another zinger from the prophet Hosea. Hosea 6, verse 6, where Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
And you thought that was enough, but here comes the haymaker. He's just like, Poof. the son of man, which is himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. Oh, I mean, they just, they're, they're, this is, Jesus is, this is his first like direct confrontation with these, the Pharisees. And from here on out in the Gospel of Matthew, there's going to be lots more confrontations with them. He had an indirect confrontation with them a few chapters back where they asked his disciples a question. And the, there's a link between these stories because Jesus quotes Hosea 6 in both spots. He says in, in Matthew 9 verse 11, he says, hey, you guys should go learn what this means. Go learn what the phrase, I desire mercy, not sacrifice means. And now in chapter 12, he's saying, hey, if you'd known, I told you guys to go study it, and apparently you didn't, because if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you wouldn't count these people guilty for breaking the law. And by referencing Hosea 6, Jesus is showing what his position is about the Sabbath. He thinks the Sabbath is a day meant for mercy. And that word mercy in Hebrew is chesed, which is such a rich word. It's steadfast love. It's covenantal love. It's like marital type of love. Hesed is this long-suffering type of love. And Jesus is saying, this is what I desire on the Sabbath. Hesed, not sacrifice. So by including these Old Testament stories that he does, and Jesus is flat out telling the Pharisees that someone greater than David is here. David was their like special king. Something greater than the temple is here which was their special place, and something greater than the Sabbath day is here, which was their special day. How can he be greater than all these things? Well, he's Lord of the Sabbath. That's what he's telling them. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, who instituted the Sabbath in like on page two of the Bible? It was God. God is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus has just called himself God, and that's why they want to kill him. It's not because they have a disagreement about the Sabbath day. It's because he's flat out saying, I am Lord. And from this moment on, they're going to seek to destroy him, it says. They are on a mission to kill this man because he's dangerous. He's calling himself Lord. He's putting himself above as king over all these special things that, that, they, that they love. And as Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus is giving people their time back. He is giving them their Sabbath back. He desires mercy on the Sabbath, not sacrifice. Sabbath is meant to be a gift of mercy to you and to me. Not a moment for us to make a great sacrifice to God and impress him. When Mark records the same interaction, he includes this line where Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for people, not people to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was meant to serve the people, not for them to serve it. And that's what had been going on in Jesus' day. People were serving the Sabbath, trying to honor God by setting apart this special day. And Jesus is saying, actually, it's meant to serve them, not the other way around. So after this interaction, he then demonstrates his position on the Sabbath. by He's at the synagogue now, and there's this guy worshiping God with a withered hand he, who doesn't want to be healed. He doesn't ask to be healed. He just gets thrown in the middle of this confrontation between Jesus and the, and the Pharisees. Um, and Jesus says, hey... Is it good, is it, are we supposed to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Which is a really dumb question. I mean, it's supposed to get their attention, kind of like, well, nobody's going to say evil, right? So he's like, well, so um, you there, stretch out your hand. He's healed. This would have really ticked the Pharisees off because that is considered work. Jesus is working by healing this guy. And he's like, look, 
is he more important than a sheep or not? If one of your sheep fall into a well today, what are you guys going to do? You're going to get that sheep out of the well. Isn't he more valuable than a sheep? And he heals the guy. Heals the guy on the Sabbath, demonstrating that the Sabbath was meant to do good for people, not the other way around, not a way for the people to be good for God. So at this point, the Pharisees, they're no longer bothered by him. They're incensed at Jesus. Like he has just put himself above all their special things and now healed somebody in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he's, some, like, he's just like this teacher from Podunk, Nazareth. Like they're, they're like really important religious people. Who is this guy claiming to be? So this issue that's causing, uh, that's getting Jesus like into a lot of trouble, does it have anything to do with you and me? Like, is this just like an ancient thing that they were trying to work out? Or is it, does it affect us here in 2022? Like, is there, is there something that we can take away from this? You know the answer is yes, or else I wouldn't have been here. Because if the answer is no, I'd just be like, all right, let's go home and get to lunch early. But of course it has something to do for us. So of course we can learn from it. Because if you are like me, you're not of Jewish ancestry, but there is still a need for a merciful day once a week, wouldn't you say? Aren't we all in need of more time? I mean, how very few of us go through the week and be like, man, I just had plenty of time this week just to do every single thing that I wanted to do and hoped for. I feel great heading into Monday. I mean, some of you are already feeling that like Sunday, like wave of nervousness and like dread, like, oh, I just remembered what I have to do tomorrow at work. And you're already feeling that. I mean, just imagine, or how are you feeling at the end of your work week? Like when you're all done with your work week, what kind of emotional and physical state are you in? And how are you going to feel tonight as it's time to get ready for work tomorrow? I mean, just those two things alone should get our attention that this is not going to work for very long. If we live, like, live life this way, completely exhausted at the end of the week and completely full of dread and an empty tank going into the week, we can't live like that very long. And I believe that's why God's given us the Sabbath, a day of mercy for us. And I, so I think that Sabbath matters for a few reasons, actually four reasons. And I made a slide for it, and it's real fancy. There we go. Um, it's not a few. Few's a three. I don't know what to call four. A handful? A group? Or anyway, four things. There's four reasons why I think... Sabbath matters. I think it matters for us to fend off idolatry, to help us enjoy our freedom, to value our work, and to receive mercy. So first, to fend off idolatry. Remember, the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments. The commandments are aimed to help Israel walk in a way that loves and honors God and keeps them from worshiping and loving other things, which is called idolatry. So by setting aside 24 hours a week, we fend off the enticement of other loves that can distract us from loving God. It puts other things in their place by having, calling a stop to the week. So it helps our hearts not long for other things that can distract us from God. So we can fend off idolatry through the Sabbath. We can also enjoy our freedom. Only free people get to rest. And when God gives the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy, it's like a retelling of the same story. He, in the, in the, in the Fourth Commandment, says, Remember you were once slaves in Egypt, so remember the Sabbath day. Which you might think is a weird connection, but do slaves get a day off? No. They worked all day 
every day for Pharaoh. And God is saying, remember that I pulled you out of that on the Sabbath day. By remembering this one day a week, only free people get to rest. And if you are a follower of Jesus like me, you are free indeed. And you get to remember that glorious freedom once a week by not working. Oh, that is a great reminder. Um, it also helps us value our work. I think work's more productive when it's in its plates six days a week. Like, it, I, work is so important, it belongs right in its place six days a week. It doesn't belong on the seventh day. And I find that when it's like I'm aiming for a, a, a once a week Sabbath, I'm more productive the other six days of the week because I don't have the option to let work bleed over into that seventh day. And you have to like, put a stop sign on it. And I know that stop sign's coming, so I better work to get done what I need to get done. So it helps us value our work, but it also helps us to receive mercy. Our hearts were made for eternity. That's what the Bible says. Our eternity is on our hearts, which means, like, how much is enough? Well, nothing's enough. Like, our hearts have an unlimited ability to crave and love many things, honestly. And so it's a merciful thing that God causes calls us to stop and cease and remember that we are finite. We're not limitless. We're, we're in a world full of limits. I like this quote from John Mark Comer, who wrote a great book, not just about Sabbath, but about our hurried culture. He says that the Jesus tradition would offer this. Human desire is infinite because we were made to live with God forever in his world, and nothing less will ever satisfy us. So our only hope is to put desire back in its proper place on God and to put all other desires in their proper place below God. It's a merciful thing that God has called us to do by remembering that nothing else other than him can, can, can handle the eternal desires of our heart. He's the only one that we can go to for that. So how do we practice this Sabbath then? Because we're here on a Sunday which was the Jewish first, this is like the Jewish Monday, so what are we doing here on a Sunday? Obviously things are a little bit different now, post-resurrection uh, and in the, in the new uh, life that Jesus has given us. So I started to desire to practice Sabbath when we were planting a church in Sacramento about six years ago. So I was teaching middle school, Monday through Friday, and then we were leading church on Sunday. Sound familiar? Um, um, and so you can imagine that Saturday wasn't this sweet, peaceful walk with Jesus in the meadows, you know, that I thought Sabbath should be. Like, oh, I'm going to go take a, a walk with Jesus. No, because I just got done teaching all week, and I had a church showing up to my house tomorrow. So it wasn't exactly a day off or a day of rest for me. But I felt convicted to practice a once-a-week Sabbath. So I was like, we're going to do this. So our Sabbath ended up looking like we'd start the day with a good old-fashioned marital argument. Like, happy Sabbath, babe. Let's fight about our differing ideas about what this day should be. So that's how we usually started. Like, I want to do this. I think we should do this. You know, so I would say even now we're probably getting like a C minus in the category of Sabbath. But we are fighting, like taking some good ground. So I have learned some things, but I am in no way like an all-star at this thing. But I do have some helpful things I could maybe pass along. This framework has been helpful for me. Stop, rest, embrace, delight. If I was a real preacher, that would have spelled a word, but it just spells shred. So, sorry, it's not going to be very memorable. If I found an H, I could have put like shred, like shred the Sabbath, everybody, but sorry. 
Um, so stop, rest, embrace, delight. First you have to stop. First you have to stop. Our work is done because it, we say it's done, not because it's, we've done everything. Stop. we got to stop. Stop signs. Shabbat. That's a way to practice. Now, for 92, maybe 93% of you in here, Sunday is a great day to do this. Some of us have to work on Sundays or have an irregular schedule, so it doesn't quite work that way. But most of us, Sunday is a great day because you're already setting aside the day to worship. That's great. And you, most of us don't have to work on Sunday, so it's a great day to pick that. Um, but you got to stop. you got to have a day where the projects are waiting until tomorrow, the emails don't get answered, and you, sometimes you just got to get used to hitting the eject button, right? Like, you know, like a fighter pilot, things are going bad and just push, eject. You got to do that in your week sometimes. Like, because I guarantee you work's not going to be done. And you just have to go, push, I'm out. My favorite Sabbath practice is to turn off my phone. And I thought it was crazy at first. I was like, I can't be without my phone for a whole day. But now it's like my favorite thing to do. It's like, I can't wait. I'm like, yeah, turn off the phone, put it away. And it's amazing. The world goes on without me. It's amazing, really. People can't get a hold of me, and they're fine. Really, genuinely, turn off your phone. It's a great way to stop because so much of our phones are the things that keep us so busy and preoccupied. And you might think you're reading the Bible on your Bible app, but then an email comes in from work. You're like, oh, dang, I better check that real quick. Right, turn it off, hide it, put it away. And I, it's funny, sometimes I even pick up my phone on Saturday because that's, that's my day of rest. And I like push the button, it's not working. I'm like, why is this not? Oh yeah, it's turned off. <laughs> so it just is a, you know, I could turn it back on if I was really like insane and needed to get to something, but it's like a nice little barrier. It's like, oh, it's off. I don't want to go through the trouble of powering it back up again. So stop. And then you rest. How does this work to slow down, move a little slower, breathe a little deeper? I, um, I think like turning off the notifications on your phone is a great way to rest. But so like, for instance, yesterday was our day of a uh, day of rest. And I woke up unplanned. I thought, I want to be up in the sequoias. That's what I want. That feels real restful to me to get up into some big trees. And it's like right in my backyard. So we loaded up the car and took off for a quick visit to the sequoias. So restful except for the part where I was behind like a really slow driver that was making me mad. But anyway, um, you got to find ways to rest. I'm, I'm not a good napper, but I hear naps are very helpful for the Sabbath. So naps could be good. But then you got to embrace. This is the part of worship. You got to embrace the reality of God in your life. You can't just do all these great stopping and ceasing activities. You should worship because he's the, the reason that we're resting. We got to embrace the reality of God. Before I turn off my phone, I love a couple of apps on my phone. I use it. Um, there's the One Minute Pause app and the Lectio 365 app that are really helpful just listening to these kind of guided prayers to help you remember the reality of God in your world. It's a really helpful tool to just embrace who God is and what He is doing. But then you got to delight, you got to um, delight. Sabbath was meant for a gift. Remember, it's a gift of mercy to you. And gifts are good. So it might help you to just imagine that Sabbath day, one day a week, it's like a little mini Christmas once a week without all the family obligations and stress and presents. Just picture it like that. Like, what are some fun things that make your heart glad? Do those things. So don't do what I do, because I'm not like you. You're not like me. But I have a... Uh, I really like jazz music. 
I like Miles Davis. I just love it. And so I've decided I'm going to listen to those albums only on Saturday. Now, that's kind of weird because I can listen to them any day of the week, but it just makes it more special. So when my kids hear the trumpet Miles Davis going, they know, oh, it must be Saturday. So yesterday, put on Sabbath jazz, driving the minivan up to the mountains. It's so good to delight in those things. My, I have friends that are more fun than me. I'm not very fun. And they've taught me, they've helped me with this idea that they call pleasure stacking. And it is what it sounds like. It's where you do things that you enjoy all at once. And it's like, so if uh, you don't just eat the Oreos, you eat the Oreos while laying in bed. And you eat the Oreos while laying in bed while watching that rom-com. Uh, sorry, this is my wife's uh, Sabbath day question. But anyway, um, you eat, you, so it's like, yeah, I could eat Oreos. That's fun. But like, what if I did it like all together with other things I like? So I like being in the Sequoias. I like jazz music. <laughs> Pleasure stack. It's just that much better. It's that much better. What are the things that your God has designed your heart to enjoy? Find those things and save them one day a week and delight in who God is and who he's made you to be. Stop, rest, embrace, delight. You got to feast on the Sabbath. Like Sabbath is not for dieting. It really isn't. Your body will be okay one day a week to eat that special food that you've been craving. You got to play, like get outside, play a board game with your family, do something enjoyable. We work so much and so hard. We were not meant to do that seven days a week. One day a week, we should delight and enjoy who God is and who he's made us to be. So I would just challenge you to think of the special, valuable resource of time. Is Jesus Lord of your time? Does he say what goes into your week and what doesn't? And I know it can be hard to carve out one full day a week. I get it. But start with what's possible. Start with the portion, right? Start for four hours today. You know, maybe like you've already been to church. Good job. You've embraced the reality of God in your life, worshiped him. What could you do for two hours, four hours today? That's a little bit of a, a taste of heaven to come. Because that's what we remember every Sabbath that, oh yeah, I'm not the center of the story. I'm not the center of the universe. God is. And I'm a part of his big story that he's doing. And I'm looking forward to that kingdom that is coming one day in full. What could you do today? just to make him Lord of the Sabbath. Remember, it's a gift of mercy. It's a gift of mercy. But gifts have to be received. It's the best gift ever. I mean, it's really special that God's given us this day. It's really cool. But you got to receive it. you got to receive it.